0: We made it to November, everybody. Yay, 2020 is almost over. We are going to bring you some more wonderful healers to discuss what goes on in the world of COVID-19 with all of the stress. We actually have International Stress Awareness Day on November 4th, ironically, the day after the election. We have Veterans Day, November 11th. We have International Survivors of Suicide Day on November 23rd. It's a it's a month of gratitude, though. It's a month of being thankful for what we do have. Um, it's World Kindness Day on November 13th, which falls on a Friday this year. So that should be fun. So we're very happy you're here. We're very happy that you've decided to listen to this podcast. And we'd love for you to write a review. If you're enjoying it, share it with somebody else, or if you're interested in sponsoring, please reach out. Enjoy the show. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I think you all have heard most of my shows start with laughter, which is a good thing. So I'm so happy to bring you today, um, Dr. Jerry Pizer, who is the Director of Services for Aim for Success. He's that and so much more. And you will, um, you will come to love him as I do. Please say hello to the audience, Dr. Pizer.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And thanks so much, Sharon, for having us reconnect after so many years apart. This is super. It's like a reunion for us.
0: It really is. So we're gonna we're gonna have to share the story with the audience of how we met. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I'm um, just thinking about it. It's just so great how um, technology works, which is what it came down to for us, right? Yeah, it certainly did. How
1: yeah. once upon a time, twenty odd years ago, would you say it was about twenty
0: years ago? So it's probably. So I've been here sixteen. So okay. 16 years ago, because I had just started running that pediatric practice. Um right. when I moved here. Yeah. So I was green. That's probably why I wore green today. I was super <laughs> green.
1: <laughs> yeah, and our introduction to one another was when I came over from Fort Lauderdale from our corporate offices to help Myrtle Avenue Pediatrics do their annual OSHA compliance training mm-hmm. and,
0: and inspection. And that's kind of how we met. And I remember Dr. Savelle, um, when he was talking about you, it was all like, oh, Sharon, you are going to love him. He's so much fun. And we love, we all get together and we have a big lunch. And I was straight off like the New York boat. Like, what do you mean we're going to have fun?
1: Yeah. Who is Yeah. That?
0: <laughs> but he was right. And, um, and you, you spent a lot of years with that group, even before I came on board, right? Yes, certainly. I think that was probably about my fifth
1: or sixth visit uh, to them because OSHA compliance for the medical profession began uh, when everything kind of, quote unquote, hit the fan through the AIDS crisis and epidemic that was happening in the uh, early 80s. And uh, just kind of segueing from that into the OSHA situation, our consulting company saw the real need for the medical and dental profession to get up on on its uh, feet and do the most they possibly can to help their uh, employees specifically maintain a healthy standard inside their offices. And from that, we hit the books and began to do our own studying and checking on things. And bottom line is we created a manual for OSHA compliance training for the medical profession. I have plus uh, a VHS cassette. Oh and my. That? That's how far back it went. In 1992, we actually created a VHS cassette. And I don't know if you recall, this is hilarious, but part of the training at your office uh, over there at Myrtle uh, Pediatrics was that I would schlep along a 14 inch video cassette television and set it up at lunchtime so that everybody was able to see the training video and for us to go over a Q&A with that afterwards.
0: Oh my goodness. It's, yeah. It's amazing how people all come. Isn't you know it? When I got to that practice, um, uh, God bless her, Carol DePue, who has since passed on, was um, the finance manager and... <laughs> you know, I really did. I came from very corporate New York director of operations for New York medical, huge operation to this very busy, um, popular pediatric practice. But I, you know, I, I had the black suit on. I only wore black. <laughs> it took a long time for me to soften up to the Florida way. But I remember. Um, Carol used to have a little TV talking about those TVs. She used to have one in her office uh-huh. And she, one day, right before lunch, I heard, and Bob Givon, come on down. You're the next contestant. <laughs> what is happening? She was watching the price. Right. Oh, that's hilarious. I know. You know, it's just, it's just so funny to, to know, um, corporate to kind of a, a more relaxed and how things have changed through VHS. And and you and I reconnected on LinkedIn. Here we are 16 years later. I've been out of that practice for seven, eight years. I don't even know anymore. And um, we we reconnected. And um, I'm so grateful to be able to see you and have this conversation. Dr. Peiser is in Naples, Florida, which is so gorgeous. I just had a little mini vacation there. And um, the beautiful... Um, artwork behind him. I'm quite sure there's many stories in the, in the pictures. For those of you listening on Audible, sorry, you're going to have to watch the Facebook (laughs) page to know about this. So I want to talk about, um, you know, Dr. Pizer uh, is a practice, was a practicing dentist in, still is a dentist, but was a practicing dentist in Fort Lauderdale for 20 years before moving into the consulting arm. So can you give the audience a little background as to the why you decided to start that?
1: I certainly can. It's quite a wonderful story that I still enjoy telling and and reminiscing with. When I was very, very active clinically in my office, uh, one of the things that I wasn't prepared for as a dentist, as a clinician, was the business aspect of dentistry. So I actually hired a consulting company. And that company was AIMM, the American Institute of Management and Marketing. And Mr. Ron Bilsky was the CEO of that. And it was a national company. And he and his team came into my office and helped us really get on track with the the aspects, the business aspects, the um, the, well, every single business aspect, uh, I should say, With that being said, over a period of time after about the first year or so where we had contracted with them, we were up and running really, really well with all of the protocols, systems, procedures, and everything that was kind of missing. We were having a very enjoyable time doing our clinical work, but we weren't really, um, we really, really didn't know how to do the business aspect, and AIM got us on track. Let's fast forward from that, which was in the um, early 80s Mm -hmm. to 1990. And in 1990, myself and my partner in my practice, Dr. Joel Schapses, were having just a grand time doing wonderful work and producing and having fun. And our staff was well-trained and we were able to have lots of free time because they were so well-trained. And in 1990, Ron from the management company said, I've got a client that has just come down from New York that's looking to acquire a dental practice. And Mm -hmm. he is driving me nuts. I don't know what he wants. Can (laughs) we bring him over to see your office since it's running so well? And perhaps he'll get an idea and I'll get a concept of what he wants. Mm -hmm. And we said, sure. So that was on a Monday. And this gentleman came in and took a look around and like what he saw, and he said before he left from that short visit, while we were still doing our dentistry that day, he said, Dr. Pizer, could, we, could I bring my wife the next day? And I said, sure, because I figured she probably would want to glean some design concepts and get ideas for his next office. And we said, great, come on in. So he and his wife came in the very next day, and this was in December of 1990, and after that little visit, it was around lunchtime, he said, you know, Dr. peiser if your accounting and your financials look as good as your office does, we would like to make you an offer. Mm. And I said, hmm, well, I'm not really ready to sell my practice for another 15 years. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure, but um I'm open to possibility. So here. For our viewing audience, the key word I want to share is being open to possibility. Mm. Because being open to that possibility, I, the short story, was out of business in 10 working days. And at that particular time, it was very traumatic because of my love for my practice, my love for my staff, and everything else, but being open to opportunity had opened up the next Well, since 1990 to 2020, the most wonderful, extraordinary life for myself in the things that I love so much, which is practice management, Mm -hmm. which is practice transitions, which is helping my fellow colleagues not skin their knees in anything they are doing. So that's kind of the short story. And I hope we get lots of time on a one-on-one to share the long story. I
0: love, yeah, we're definitely getting that. I'm coming back to Naples. We're going to hang out at the Ritz-Carlton and just, you know, maybe I'll never go back. Who knows? So uh, (laughs) because I'm longing for those days of being in Naples. It was so nice and quiet. But um, I really love how you mentioned that um, the open-mindedness and the, the willingness to think about the possibilities of what could be next, because- Um, I know from experience of working with so many doctors and dentists that nobody ever thinks when they're in medical school or dental school that running a business or practice, because some of them don't even like to call it a business, but it is, it's a business. um, They never think that it's going to be as difficult as it truly is to run a practice. You really have to have support like you got um, from this company coming in And now, from your own operating experience, um, know how to help others. So why don't you share with, um, on today being the National Stress Awareness Day. Yes. Which is super exciting, right? The day after Election Day. Um, Why don't you share with uh, the audience about what it's been like to because I, I'm sure you feel the same about being able to be a vessel to success for the people that you get to work with.
1: Absolutely. And I'm, because it's National Stress Awareness Day, I think I'm going to just start this little segment of our conversation with what stress means to me. Mm-hmm. There are actually two types of stress that I consider. And when I'm training or talking about it, There's what I call eustress. That's E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, which is good stress. Mm -hmm. And then there is distress, D-I-S-S-T-R-E-S-S, which is bad stress. Now, the good stress are the things that we love to do. We get excited about. For instance, I was excited about coming on board today and speaking with Sharon and and your audience, Sharon. So the good stress for me was, oh, being on time, getting ready, uh, showering, making sure I put a clean shirt on because being in pandemic mode, uh, T-shirts usually stay on my body for about three days before I change. (laughs) I I hear you. (laughs) So the good stress was preparing for this and it was exciting and fun. Distress, on the other hand, are the things that we want start worrying about and concerning ourselves with. Sometimes, not necessarily, but they create issues for ourselves. And the most present thing that we're all up against right now, of course, is the pandemic and the stress that had that has created for all of us, consciously as well as subconsciously. And we carry that along with us. And that is distress, it certainly is.
0: Yeah, I think um, I was thinking about one of um, my, my dentist friends as you were sharing, and I know that I would say overall, they were one of the practitioners that were hit the hardest because they could only remain open for emergency visits. And of course, so many people did not want to come into any healthcare facility because of the fear surrounding um, catching the virus, which of course is a good healthy fear to have, but um, it's been a a tumultuous time and a lot of um, rebuilding and uh, reconstruction. One of the good things about doing this show, Dr. Pizer, has been for me that I have now the history of the pandemic from March until now of what we've all gone through. And um, it certainly has evolved It's involved into all of us being able to navigate through things a little bit better. Um, But I also think that it's made a lot of practices, um, doctors, dentists, healers in general have to shift how they do business. Have you, uh, what what have you seen on your end about They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Tie Technology rocks. What um, these practices have done, I I was full on, just so you know, I was like the, because I'm all about technology and marketing, right? I was like, you got to go all in with telemedicine. Like, what can we do with teledentistry? You know, how can we make this um, viable for the future? Because the future is right this second.
1: Don't Absolutely. You? Yes, wow. for darn sure. And uh, to your point about telemedicine, it has really been a key and very instrumental in helping the medical profession as we continue through this uh, new and different times that we're we're seeing. At the very beginning, the onset of this, like like I can equate it to the AIDS epidemic uh, way back, everyone was totally in fear, not knowing what the heck to do, what to do next. And that was the initial stress that we all had. And in the medical profession, uh, distinguishing between corporate America and the private practice is kind of key as well the uh, private practitioner has so much on his shoulders to take care of. He has the staff, their concerns. He has the business, that concern. He has his patients, that concern. Whereas in corporate, corporate uh, medicine and corporate dentistry usually takes on most of that. And the practitioner is usually only left kind of with their own initial concerns. Primarily, the stress is even greater on the private practitioner with taking care of each one of those aspects. As the practitioner moves forward with taking care of each one of those, the stress, of course, has let, does lessen and, and gets a little easier. And the key, again, to creating less stress, not just during the pandemic, but in every aspect of your business, is when you're able to have a team a staff that protects and promotes and supports you 100% and that vice versa, you are doing the same with them. Because once you're doing that, and once you really have that and the trust and the confidence from that team and vice versa, you lessen the uh, level of stress that you have to carry individually. And it disseminates to a level where eventually there's very little or no stress because everyone is taking care of their fair share.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that you have um, come across a lot of the nepotism in the workplace that goes on within these practices. Um, I know for me, it has always been that you know little crutch that's like, oh no, the who's who's the manager, the wife, okay, your 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 brother-in-law. Is the IT guy okay, you know, and, and, and the restructuring um, of, of what is to be that team that you're talking about that is really there to support you, um, so the hiring is just, to me, it's right up here, it's the top, you know, it's really who is doing the hiring how are we doing the hiring? How are we encouraging our our leaders to be leaders, to talk about things like stress during um, a pandemic with the staff, to talk about EAPs and on and on and on. I want to talk about um, this wonderful uh, work that you do with practice transitioning. I've had a lot of um, physicians that talk to me about planning to sell, sometimes when I hear that and I know what's going on in the practice, I'm like, well, we have a lot of work to do um, in order to get it to a place where we can sell it. So can you talk about um, what that has been like for you to help practitioners transition and and sell their businesses?
1: Yeah, certainly. That is, that is quite a very interesting uh, discussion and very, very apropos of a couple of things that are going on right now for some of my, my clients and prospective clients. Um, It's, it's kind of interesting how people will make a decision to sell their business. Mm -hmm. It's either out of uh, just aggravation, or maybe it's time to retire or, like myself, I had no intention at all, but an opportunity became knocking at my door and I was open to that possibility and said, oh, yes, I have the confidence to know what I can do next. So yeah, I'm going to do that and then we'll see what's on the other side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the, the, the difficult ones are when, a, when a, a doctor decides to sell and he just decides to sell out of the clear blue sky and hasn't looked at the business aspect of it. Um, his revenues and his uh, information that he wants to get x amount of dollars back on probably has no relationship to what's reality. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that word was coming. <laughs> yeah, right. and that's, that's, really, that's really the challenge for me mm-hmm. and we have that discussion before anything else because certainly I wanna help them the best I possibly can. But many times at that particular time when they make their decision, they really aren't ready to sell a business from the realistic standpoint. And and building that business back up to a successful business is probably the most beneficial to them Mm -hmm. so that they can get the most bang for their buck when they do their sale as well and have everything in place really well, so that a prospective buyer says, wow, this team is fantastic. This practice looks sensational. Their books look excellent. I want to buy that business.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking about a client that um, unfortunately didn't do this due diligence, because I think due diligence is such a big part. And wouldn't it just be great if everybody that decided to go into business on their own whether that be a physician, it could be a therapist, it could be a, a PT, a, a speech therapist, whatever business you decide to go in, that you're thinking about that exit, right? Your exit into the, the, um, the beauty of life beyond. <laughs> exactly. The business, right?
1: And the, and the very best thing to do is to begin thinking about that a couple of years before that, that transition happens. So, that you can get all of your ducks in a row and get everything just the way you want it. So, optimally, you have an excellent business to sell that it doesn't just become a fire sale because you want get to a- get out of Dodge all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. This client that I was thinking about was, um, you know, had a very, very long successful practice for many years and then switched and decided to go from insurance to cash. And- you know, just kind of gave it away, because it was too difficult to, to go back and sort out all of the, you know, accounts payable. And it's just, it can be such a mess if you don't have, which always comes back to the right people in place, the right people guiding you. And imagine if they taught it in dental school, or they even spoke about it, right? Um, what the what the future will be in business. Um, Because I'm sure that, well, let me ask you, I'm not sure of anything. I'm not sure of much these days. Um, (laughs) When you were practicing yourself, you know, did you ever think, uh, reflect back on your dental school and think, man, I could have, could have used some assistance here and, and how to build a business or, you know, uh, what it's like to have a partner in business? Yes,
1: that, that was the biggest missing, totally. And for me, I noticed that the first year out of school, I, I graduated from dental school kind of early and I uh, interned in New York City after that and went into private practice um, in Florida when I was 25 actually yeah. and began to practice. Well, the first year in practice with my, my partner was a, a real challenge because it was just on automatic. We didn't know what the heck was going on. And I said, hey, there's got to be a little bit more uh, organization to this, shall I say. And I also noticed my deficiencies in really how to how to interact with staff. Mm. Because coming out of school... You're almost on a different pedestal as the doctor, and everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone else isn't on that pedestal with you. And, you know, the sooner you become aware of that and get rid of that pedestal and become a leader and learn the distinctions between leading and managing, Mm -hmm. which is really key. And perhaps another full. Podcast for us yeah. to chat about. Uh, that in itself is the aha moment. And it's that time where Dr. Pizer got off of his pedestal and said, Holy smoke, it's time to really work with my staff and be a part of them, not above them.
0: Yeah, that's so key. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's a really, real being, lesson to learn. it really is. It's, and being able to admit which I find sometimes the hardest that you don't know everything and that there are, you know, I, I break it down to a lot of uh, clients that I've worked with over the years that listen, I'm, I like to, you know, humble myself because then I have a chance that maybe somebody will humble themselves in front of me. I like to say, you know, I really suck at accounting, you know, so I have a bookkeeper, I have an accountant and I pay them. Right. Um, I 'm not really great at all of the content posting, so I have a team. I have people that can do that for me. You have to know what you're good at. you have to know your strengths, and then you have to have the really the self awareness to be able to open yourself up to the help that is required that yes, you, you're not always taught that there is like a hierarchy level that is kind of brought to um, the medical profession, the dental profession. Um, I've heard about it way too many times and and you do you have to be a leader in order to get anybody to follow, you have to lead right?
1: Absolutely. And the sooner a physician, a dentist, anyone in anyone in business really makes no difference what the business is begins to see that and distinguish between that, that's when you you say, well, wow, it's time for me to really have someone manage this for me so i can start to learn the distinctions of leadership and really become someone that wants to that people want to live with and play with and work with right not manage
0: yeah right no 100 i do feel like we are going to need a part two great yeah, because I really want to dive into some of the the subtopics that we've um, brought up, and it really has been very nice to kind of focus on the business for a little while, because we've really talked so much about, you know, um, this this pandemic has brought on a mental health pandemic, and people are under a lot of stress on this, you know, National Stress Awareness Day, so we'd like everybody to kind of namaste it up with us right now, take a breath, and, um, and know that what we are doing today um, in our lives, hopefully, is what makes us happy, right? I think that, you know, you, you just seem like a kindred spirit to me. Pretty sure you're living a happy life over there, Dr. Kaiser, living your best life. And that's what I get to do every day. And um, it, it becomes a, a bigger purpose when you're getting to do what you love and, and helping others and also being happy. Don't you agree? One hundred percent, maybe one thousand percent. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a great day to do what makes you happy. So consider that, everybody, um, for this you know upcoming election, whatever it is that is stressing you out today. Let's try to focus on what makes you happy. Like my dog, who's laying under the desk right now. He makes me happy. What makes you happy. happy today, Doctor Pizer? Hey, my little pooch is
1: around here somewhere for darn sure. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, the election uh, being over or not being over, but being in process, as we really, uh, you know, acknowledge that today is the day after an election. And uh, regardless of which candidate gets in the spot and which one loses, you and I and everyone else in our audience gets to go to work tomorrow or today and gets to be happy today, and gets to love their life today, and gets to continue to love others right here, right now, and today. And so it is.
0: And so it is. I don't think we could end a better way than that, Dr. Pizer. Thank you so much for being with us today, and I look forward to part two. You're very welcome. Thank you. Don't forget to check out Thai Technology. Anyone that mentions this podcast or the Facebook show will receive three free months of service. TIE Technology. Check them out. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. We would love it if you subscribed. This way you'll get notified every time there's a new episode which in fact are Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Please feel free to leave a review. It really helps us, and we appreciate your support. Thank you.